Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, go with me tonight to 2 Timothy (coughs) chapter 3, and this is where we'll begin tonight. We're going to continue with this that we have been on, continue in the truth. And uh, there's some things that we want to deal with tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and... uh, Beginning in verse 13, notice Paul says, But evil men and seducers will, uh, he says, the King James says, wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then the first phrase of of verse 14 says, But continue, or we could say, But you continue in the truth. You continue in the truth, or continue in the things that you have heard and been assured of. And so Paul says that the key to victory is to simply continue in the things that we've learned. And he makes the statement before that, he says that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, or they'll go from bad to worse. And it says they'll deceive and and be deceived, or they'll lead people astray, and they'll be led astray. And notice what he says, but he says, you continue in the truth. So he tells us something, that there's something that's supposed to have our focus. And it's not the people going from bad to worse. All right? That distracts. Being distracted is the opposite of continuing. All right? Because continue means to remain, to be steadfast, to be present. And so the enemy will try to distract you with things you can't change. There there are things going on in the world that nobody can change, whatever it may be. And he'll try to distract you with those things. Well, what are you going to do about this? And what about this? And how about this? And our job is continuing the truth. Now, what I have to be focused on is what God said. That's what I have to be focused on. I was watching a minister yesterday, and uh, I won't go into all that they said. I didn't watch it for very long uh, because it made no sense. And they were talking about things that were going on in the world and, and, and how bad they believed things were and, and all these different things. And then they, they, he, they'd written a book. Him and another guy had written a book. And then he made a statement. He said, now, but, I, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. I mean, I've got faith that we can change this. And my thought is, then why would you write the book? If nothing that you said in the book you believe is going to happen, why would you write the book? It becomes a distraction. All right? There are things that we have to continue in and understand. Amen. And what we have to do, we have to stay true to what the Word says. Now look at a few verses with me here. Matthew chapter 24, 
and I'm, I'm going to move fast through these first few verses because uh, I want you to see this. You know, very often in the church, especially in our circles, we're very quick to, you know, to, to teach and preach. Don't fear, don't worry. And that's right, we shouldn't. All right? I wrote the book, Refusing the Care. All right? And, and we shouldn't. But here's, here's the thing. Here, and here's the question we're going to answer tonight. People will say, how? All right? I mean, how do we do that? Because just to say don't, there's always, okay, how do I do it? Matthew 24, verse 4. Notice what it says. Uh, Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ. Deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Notice this next phrase. See that you be not troubled. Right? Verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now here's, here's what I want you to see. Notice what he says. He says, you see that you're not troubled. You see to it that you are not troubled, all right? The Passion Translation says, you'll hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with rumors of more wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fear, for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen, all right? Now, here's the thing, though. He says, don't do it. Well, then the question is, okay, how do I not do it? Look at... Mark 13, verse 5. And we're going to teach more on these scriptures in depth in future messages, but I want you to see this tonight. Verse 5, Mark 13, 5. Jesus answering them begin to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. The thing that you'll see in all three of these accounts, Matthew 24, Mark uh, 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 13, and Luke 21, they all start off with that phrase, don't let anybody deceive you. You need to quit listening to things that try to deceive. There are people under the sound of my voice, your problem is you watch the news too much. And you listen to garbage too much. And you're allowing the same fear trash to come into your ears that the world's allowing in their ears and in reality, you're thinking like the world. You're a believer that has victory, but you're allowing your victory to be watered down by what the world's saying. And in reality, if it's affecting you that much, then you believe what they're saying more than you believe what God's saying. What you give your attention to the most is what's going to have the biggest effect on your life. And you cannot be operating in fear and panic and turmoil and worry and say that the Word is what's governing your life. Amen. Well, Pastor, everybody worries. Beg your pardon. Well, you know, but what the world's going through, and if you were going through what I'm going through, well, number one, if I was going through what you're going through, you don't know that I would worry. But if I would worry, it doesn't change what Jesus said. 
And Jesus said, see to it that you're not troubled. If you're listening to things that are going to deceive you, you're going to be deceived, number one, and you're going to be troubled, number two. Amen. Because you're deceived. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the world knows if they say something long enough and strong enough, people are going to believe it. And I don't care what outlet it's from. I don't care what letters of the alphabet news you watch. FOX, CNN, ABC, CBS, dumb and stupid, whatever it is. If, if that's what you're watching, you're getting it from an unsaved, unsanctified, secularized source, and you're not getting the truth. And people will say, well, I want to be informed. But you're being deceived. Hey, I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving. Verse, chapter 13, verse 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, take heed lest any man deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ and deceive many. And when you hear, notice, not if. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end is not yet. The Amplified Bible says, don't get alarmed, don't get troubled, don't get frightened. Now again, that begs the question, how? How do I avoid that? Now there are people that say, well, you just got to believe. Believe what? Well, believe the Word. Believe what in the Word? Believe what about the Word? So, so many times that phrase is just bantied about. Well, hey, brother, you just got to believe. What? Believe what? What do I believe? Well, you got to believe what God said. Well, what did God say? Right? Well, here's the point. Let's look at Luke 21. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. And you will be before we're done. Luke 21 and verse 9. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. The Woost Bible says, whenever you hear of wars, disturbances, and disorders, do not, it's, it uses this word, begin to be terrified. Don't even start to be terrified. Why? It is a necessity in the nature of the case for these things to take place first, but the end is not immediately. Now, so we've read three times from the lips of Jesus, when you hear about things, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. He didn't suggest it. He said don't. Right? Well, how do I, how do, I do this? Well, let's go over to Proverbs 18, and we'll jump into how. You know, when, uh, when I worked in the corporate world and, and even now in many areas, I, uh, when I'm, if you want to call it training somebody to do something, uh, I'm, I'm not just a person that likes to tell what to do. I like to show how to do, right? Because if I can show you, then you're going to get it. 
And so what happens very often in church is people are just told, well, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Well, we shouldn't, right? I mean, uh, I wrote the book, Fear Free Living, right? So we shouldn't fear. But we got to start with we are a spirit, right? First Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us that we are a spirit. We possess a soul. We live in a body. Proverbs 18, 14, notice what it says. The spirit of a man will sustain him in his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. The Amplified Bible says the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak or broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So one of the keys to continuing in the truth is maintaining my strong spirit. Now notice what he says. He says a weak or broken spirit who can bear. So if there are things that are coming into my life that are weakening me spiritually, I'm going to eventually pay the price. Because he said what I have to do is maintain the strength of my spirit. All right? So that's the first thing, is that my strong spirit is what sustains me. All right, if I want to live a fear-free life, a worry-free life, an anxiety-free life, the first thing I have to do is make sure that my spirit is in top shape. That, right? That it's strong in the things of God. Hallelujah. Do you see this? So that's the first step that I have to take. Now, let's go over to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Actually, go to Galatians 6, and then we'll, we'll get to chapter 5 here in a moment. Because we want to see, how does this happen? Galatians 6 and 22. I'm sorry, 5 and 22, forgive me. Notice what it says. The fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now remember, the strong spirit of a man sustains him. Now notice, but the fruit of the Spirit, the first one, is love. The second one is joy. The third one is peace. Now let's stop right there. So the very first fruit that we see of the reborn human spirit, these are not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're the fruit of the reborn human spirit. All right, It's the fruit that arrives after I'm born again. And the very first fruit that's mentioned is love. Now, why is love so key? Because the opposite of fear is not peace. The opposite of fear is love. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. If there's no love, there's only fear. Why does someone hate? Because they fear. Why does someone have a loss of joy? Because they fear. Right? He says the first, the first spirit, the first fruit of the spirit that's cultivated in the life of the believer is the fruit of love. Amen. So I've, I've got to understand 
that I have this fruit of the love of God on the inside of me. Now, Romans 5. Let's look at Romans 5. Oh, glory. Romans 5 and 5. Let's start in verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now, tribulations means trouble. Now, it doesn't say that, 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 that when it says we glory in them, it's not talking about we glory because of them. It says in the middle of pressure, we're operating in glory. All right? And, and notice what it says. Oh, glory. Knowing that tribulation or trouble works something. It works patience. Is that what your Bible says? So when you're going through a test, going through trouble, I'm not talking about sickness and disease and poverty. I mean just pressure, just trouble. Something is working in you. Experience. Experience. You're gaining an experience. Now, now, don't miss this. Because it's not just an experience of something bad you went through. And boy, I don't ever want to go through that again. It's not what he's talking about. Right? He says you're gaining an experience. It works patience. And patience works experience. And experience hope. Now, how can you have hope of overcoming what you're currently facing? Because I have an experience born of patience from another tribulation that says I will come out of this. Right? I've been there, faced it before, came out of it, and I got the picture which is what hope is, that I'm going to come out of it again. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. You know, it's just like this. When you're driving down, when you're driving down the highway and you, you're coming from my house, you know, you, you, you get off Maumelle Boulevard and you get on 430 right there. Well, you know, how is it that you can be talking to someone and maybe you get a phone call, hands-free, I hope, but you get a phone call Right, and you're talking, and somebody's asking you questions, yet you're driving, you're right, you know where you're going because in your mind you have a picture of where you're supposed to be. You have done it so many times that that's why it seems like sometimes what we're already here seemed like it only took five minutes. It took longer than that, but you got a picture. Your mind knows where you're supposed to turn. It knows when you're supposed to stop because you have a database of that experience. When whatever God has ever brought you out of, you have a spiritual database of how He brought you out and you have an experience about that tribulation and in the middle of it, you can say, God's going to bring me out and everything's going to go my way because it happen once it'll happen again amen whoo glory hallelujah and it says in hope make it not a shame this is so powerful because that picture that I have will not leave me in a state of defeat it won't disappoint 
Amen. I, I need you to see this tonight. God will never disappoint you. He will always do what He said. He will never disappoint you. And so, right, I have a picture of victory. Born of what? Experience. Yes, sir. Right? Experience based on the Word. So I know it's going to go that way again. Why? God doesn't change. And if I'm doing what I did before, God will do what He did before. Right? It's never that God doesn't do what He said. It's that somewhere I didn't do what He said. Amen. Do you see that? Now, now notice, He says it doesn't make a shame. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So he brings us back to this aspect of love. How do I know that I'm going to come out of this just like I did the last time? Because God loves me too much to leave me here. It's the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart. When you ask a believer, does God love you? Yeah, God loves me. Right? But then, but then if, if, if they're facing a situation or they're facing a circumstance and that fear tries to come and that issue tries to overwhelm them, how is that happening? How is that happening? They don't really believe how much God loves them. Mm. Do you see that? Right? I mean, how many, how many, how many believe how much God loves us. Because if I do, if I really believe how much God loves me, then I've got to believe that He's not going to leave me where I am. And I'm not going to fail. Amen. When, 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 when my pastor and his wife, Sister Jeannie, when they were in that automobile accident, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of it, they were hit by that a tire truck, and broke her back in three places. If you remember the testimony, here's what she said. She said, I'm going to be okay because I love God and God loves me too much to let me be paralyzed. What? God loves me too much. Is that right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he says the, the, the dominating force here, the reason behind this is the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. People will ask me sometimes different things. Well, how do you know this isn't going to happen? God loves me too much. God loves me too much. I said something the, the, the other night. Uh, maybe it was Sunday morning in the Kansas location. I said, listen, listen, there was far too high a price Paid for your healing for you to put up with sickness. Far too high a price paid. God showed how much He wanted to heal you when He sent Jesus to the earth and Jesus took stripes on His back and bore away your sicknesses, bore away your pain, bore away your disease. It cost Him everything. And the Bible says God did that because He loves you. And so for a believer to fear sickness is to not believe how much God loves them. 
Amen. Do, do you see that? I mean, think, think about this for a moment. Being a parent, my children, none of my children have ever feared that I'm going to do something bad to them or in just being a human father that I would allow something bad to happen to them. They know if they're in our house, if something bad tries to happen, somebody's going to get in between them and the bad thing. Who is that? Daddy. Between you and the world is this one insurmountable object called the love of God. And when you put your faith in the love of God, nothing can move you. Amen. I, look, no, notice something real quick. Whoop, glory. I don't know about you, but I've done it already. I preach myself happy. Look, look at Psalm 91. I, I, I want you to see this because uh, this is a very familiar psalm to us, but there, there's a key here. There's a key. He says, in, let's start in, in, well, my Lord, where do we start? Let's start in verse 10. This is a good one. For there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague. A plague is a mysterious illness that no one has an answer for. And it said, no plague will come near your dwelling. Is that what it says? Notice it didn't say, will come in your dwelling. It said it won't come near it. Right? Lily listens to that song and it says, When the curse comes knocking on my door, comes sneaking down the hall, comes creeping on the floor, I know the blood of Jesus has isolated me. Amen. Can't, can't, can't come near me. I'm, I'm, I'm quarantined, baby, by the blood. Right? I'm not hiding. See, the world wants to hide from something. Everywhere I go, I'm protected from anything. I don't have to be sitting in my house to be safe. I'm safe wherever I go. My family is safe wherever I go because I'm operating in this love of God bubble and there's nothing that can penetrate it. So when someone says, don't fear, they need to go further and say, here's how you don't fear. You believe in the love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Notice what he says. For he will give his angels charge over you to keep you in your ways. And you ought to, you ought to put on the end of that every time you read it, because he loves me. They will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone, because he loves me. That you shall tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet, because he loves me. Then the focus changes, and he's talking directly to you. These other verses were saying what he would do for you, but then he's saying why he will do it. Because he has set his love upon me. He has set his love upon me. Notice this. Therefore will I, God, deliver him. I will set him on high. You know what that means? I'll set him out of reach. 
That's like taking something and putting it on a high shelf so a child can't get it. God says, because of how much I love you and how much you love me and how much you believe you love me, I'm going to put you on high, out of reach of the enemy. Amen. Can't you just see the devil right now on his tippy toes trying to get to you, but he can't? Why? Because your love is set upon God and you're set on high and he can't reach you. Mm-mm. Because he has known my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Now see, don't misunderstand this. This is not God as my co-pilot. He's just with me. Right? No. When he says, I'm with you. With you for something. Not just to be there. Right? It's, it's the with you, like Psalm 23. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because the Lord is with me. If God's with you, there's nothing to fear. Right? Remember what, remember what Joshua and Caleb said? They came back from searching the land. And, Ke- and, the, and the ten spies said, we can't do it. We can't take the land. And Caleb rose up and he said, come on, let's go right now. Let's strap on some weapons and go. We can do this. And the people said, no, we can't do it. And then you see Joshua talking. And Joshua said, look, if so be the Lord is with us, they can't stand against us. What would those people not believe that the Lord was with them? If God's with you, you have nothing to fear. Amen. Right? Notice, I will be with him in trouble, and what will I do when he's in trouble? I will deliver him and honor him with long life, length of days, Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? You can't claim that and be afraid of dying young at the same time. Amen. Do do, do you see that? What has the power to take your life? Nothing. Remember what I read to you two Sundays ago? Paul said... Shall tribulation, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, can that separate me from the love of God? No, and all these things were more than conquerors. What was the question he asked? What then? What can separate me from the love of God? What's the answer? Nothing. Now that's been used to say there's nothing you could do that would make God not love you. No, the love of God is a force That is in me. It's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Nothing can separate me from that. Nothing can separate me from that. Whatever the report is, you can't separate me from the love of God. 
And if you can't separate me from the love of God, you can't separate me from the deliverance that comes by the love of God. You can't separate me from being set on high. You can't separate me from being free from every plague because God loves me. And I believe how much He loves me. Amen. And you'll run into Christians and say, well, now, now, brother, you know, we, but we live in a fallen world. We do. We live in a fallen world protected by the love of God. There's got to be a demarcation point. There has to be a difference between the world and us. God has to make a difference between those that love Him and those that don't love Him. It's what He said in His Word. Amen. Do, do you see that? And when people make statements like, well, none of this caught God off guard. Well, act like you believe that. Amen. Because if I'm, if I'm operating in the love of God, I'm not acting foolish, but I'm not acting afraid. I mean, just, just hear, now when I say this, understand. When you declare, for instance, when you declare this, every diseased German virus that touches my body dies instantly. Why? Why does it die instantly? And people say, because I said so. Well, it is, but what are you saying? You're saying how much God loves you. Every diseased German virus dies instantly when it touches my body because God loves me too much to let me be sick. Amen. Am I helping you? Notice over here in Galatians 5. That's why scripture says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word is settled in heaven because there's unsettled things in the earth. That's what he talked about. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, plagues, different things. But the thing that doesn't change is the word. Amen. Amen. You know, first of all, you heard people talking about this. Well, you know, everything will be good once there's a virus, a, a, a vaccine. And now you hear people saying, oh, my Lord. You mean you're really going to go take that vaccine? First of all, we don't have one. And now they almost got one. And now they're like, I'm not going to take it. Well, what is it, man? At what point now you're afraid of the vaccine? Well, you know, it might change your DNA. Listen, my DNA was changed when I got born again. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It, 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 it changes. Everything in the world changes. Right? Oh, everything's getting better. Let there be a little blip on their, on their statistics, and now everything's falling apart again. Well, what is that? What, why did that blip change anything? Fear. Somebody rooted and grounded in the love of God understands that that is affecting people's lives, but it's not going to affect mine. 
right? When my child goes to school, no plague will touch that school. All the teachers in my child's school are protected because my child's there. Amen. Maybe I can come over here and preach to Tavakal. <laughs> right? Because, and, but you got to believe God loves you that much. We'll make statements like this. If you were the only person on the earth, God would have still sent Jesus to die. Right. He would have. Why? Because of how much he loves people. Are you following me? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith that does what? That works by love. Faith works. Faith is energized. Faith is sustained by love. Faith in what? Faith in the victory. Faith in the fact that God sent Jesus to die on the cross, not just for my sins, but to alleviate me from the curse. Now, look over at Deuteronomy 28. Oh, hallelujah. It says in verse 15, it will come to pass if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes that I command you this day, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And I'm not going to spend a lot lot of time on this, but I want you to see something. Verse uh, 21, the Lord will make the pestilence cleave unto you until he has consumed you from off the land that you go to possess it. The Lord will smite you with a consumption, with a fever, with an inflammation, with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with the blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue you till you perish. Now, we know that this was translated in the causative, all right? But it, 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 was, it, it, it was not written that way. It was written in the permissive sense. God will allow these things. Why? Because of their disobedience. But notice what this is under the heading of, the curse, The curse of the law. And you can read through all the sicknesses here. But notice notice these right here in just verse 22. Fever, inflammation, extreme burning. That's under the curse of the law. Is that right? Galatians 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Is that scripture? So go through the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28 and read from about verse 14 or 15 on and whatever you can find there, Christ redeemed me from it. And then it says also at the end of that, and every sickness not mentioned is under the curse. So even things I don't know about, I've been redeemed from it. There are things you will never know and never encounter because you've been redeemed from it and you believe how much God loves you, so you believe you're redeemed and it never comes near you. Amen. 
So notice Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. For what reason? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Or the promise that Abraham, that God made Abraham through the Spirit. Now, then in Galatians 5, 6 again, it says faith works by love. Faith in what? Faith that I'm redeemed from the curse. Amen. John Alexander Dowie, who is an uh, 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 Australian minister, a uh, congregationalist minister. He eventually came over here to America and started Zion City in Illinois. Great, tremendous, had a tremendous healing ministry. Got into error in his later days, but, but in any event, when he was a pastor in Australia, uh, uh, the plague hit. And he uh, uh, had buried a number of people in his church, 40 people, and there were a number of others waiting to be buried. And he was in his office with his head in his hands, just crying out to God, Lord, the, the people are, are, are uh, they're suffering with this. They're, they're, they're being devastated by this. And the Lord began to show him these things from the Word of God, how that Jesus came and redeemed them from the curse of the law. And he said, it was at that moment that somebody came and said, uh, this little girl was dying and his mom, or their mom wanted him to come and pray. So he said, I ran to the house and I went in and the doctor was a member of their church. And he said he was there with his, his little doctor bag and he, and he came out and he saw the pastor and he said, there's no hope. He said, uh, uh, you know, there's nothing that can be done. And uh, he asked the mother, he said, well, why did you send for me? And she said to come and pray. And the doctor basically said, well, you know, there's no need for that. And the doctor looked at him and said, Pastor, we just need to leave the things of God be. And he said, it just rose up in me. How can you call this that's happening to this little girl God? Right? And he said he went in and prayed for her and the girl was healed. He had no more instances of the plague in his church. And for 19 straight years, they had no sickness in his church. None. Because he got a revelation of how much God loved them. See, it wasn't a revelation of faith. Faith is vital. It's, we're faith builders. But if you don't realize how much God loves you, what are you putting your faith in? How can you have faith that God will heal you if you don't have a revelation of how much God loves you? And so he said, your faith is energized, operative by love. Amen. Now, look over at 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. This is important. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, let's start in verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. 
So what it says? The opposite of love is fear. And there's no fear in love. Now why? There's no fear in God. And you dw- if you dwell in love, you dwell in God. And if you dwell in love and you dwell in God, you dwell without fear. Notice. Why? Why? Because fear has torment. The problem with people today is they're tormented. Why are they tormented? They're in fear. What might happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Everything good. I'm going to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from blessing to blessing. Amen. Why? Because that has to govern. And he says there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What does that mean? That just simply means this. The person that fears has not set their love upon God. It's not an indictment. It's not a bad, I mean, it is a, it, it's not a good thing, but it's not calling somebody a name. But he says, if you are operating in fear, you're not certain how much God loves you. Amen. Then he says, mm, in ver- chapter 5, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in how much God loves us. People say, well, it's faith in the Word. You can't have faith in the Word till you have faith in the love. If you don't have faith in the love of God, you can't have faith in the Word of God. And that's where a lot of people struggle. They're trying to have faith in the Word of somebody that they're not sure loves them. Amen. If you ask any of my children, if your father tells you something, will he do it? Yes. Well, why? Number one, they have experience. Number two, they know how much I love them. When you know how much God loves you. Brother Hagin told the story about uh, 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 the woman, the, the two families, the one family that rarely came to church. And he said they might come to one Sunday night every couple months. And he said, but I got to thinking. He said they would call me. And he said one of the kids would be sick or something. And he said if there was a time that they didn't get healed, I never knew it. And he said, then that other family that was one, one of the deacons and the Sunday school teacher, he said, they would call me about their kids, and if one of them ever got healed, I didn't know it. And he said, I just, I finally, I said, okay, Lord, we got to have this out. I don't get this. We got one group of people that's not faithful. They come to church sporadically. Matter of fact, I've never seen the father. He's working all the time. And they always get healed. And I got this other group, most faithful people I have, and they never get healed. And he said, the Lord began to show him. And he said, I would go to that house of those people that were unfaithful. And he said, the mother would not wait till I got to the door. She'd meet me in the street and say, Brother Hagin, you know what? There may not be much to me. Well, watch. But God loves these little children too much 
to let them stay sick. What'd she believe in? The love God had for her children. And he said, I'd go to the other house, and he said, I'd, sometimes I'd have to knock on the door two or three or four times, get my pocket knife out and bang on the door, make it a little louder. And he said, finally, they'd come to the door, and the wife would answer the door and go, oh, it's you. And all the way back to the kid's room, she'd say, I told my husband not to call you. None of us ever get healed. Now, people say that was a bad confession. A bad confession born of what? A lack of belief that God loved them. If, you have, if a person has a negative confession, it's because they don't believe how much God loves them. You cannot say you believe how much God loves you and then say that you think God's going to allow something to come on you or destroy you or make you sick. Amen. God loves my family too much to let anything happen to me. And if I'm listening, if I'm being led, if I'm paying attention to what He says, I will always be in the right place at the right time. I will always be from hurt, harm, and danger. Why? I am delivered from this evil world, according to the Scripture, I am delivered from this evil world because it is the will of God. The world has been denied the power to have an effect on me. When Jesus said this, remember, I'm, can I take about five more minutes? Remember when Jesus said this? He said, the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Why is that? People say, well, he was Jesus. He knew how much the Father loved him. The devil could get nothing in him because he knew how much the Father loved him. And what did Jesus say in John 17? Let's go over there. Oh, thank you, Lord. Well, Pastor, I love God. That's not the point. It's do you believe how much God loves you? Because there are people who say, oh, I just love the Lord. I just love the Lord. I love the Lord. I don't know why he allowed this to come on me, but oh, I love the Lord. But they don't believe how much God loves them. John 17. Mm -mm -mm. Let's see here. Verse 23. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So if you ever wonder how much does God love you, the same amount he loved Jesus. Now, put that information down and then bring whatever the problem is next to it and compare it. This pales. God loves me too much. See, so when someone says, don't fear, when Jesus said, don't even begin to be terrified, how? I know how much God loves me. Amen. When I was working in the corporate world, and I've told this story before. I got this revelation of how much God cared about me and how he was on my side. And I worked in a certain department. There's a little German guy named Daniel Van Meter. 
And, and he was always coming. Every couple of weeks, he'd come and say, oh, you know, they say they're, they're going to close down. And finally, one day, I looked at him. I said, Daniel, listen, come here. Let me help you. And he said, actually, I went to his desk. I said, let, let me explain something to you. And he said, what's that? I said, as long as I'm here, this place will be open, and you will have a job. And he just looked at me. I said, because God loves me too much to take my income away from my children. He won't do it. He won't allow it. And he just kind of looked at me. He didn't understand. But, you know, they never, they never closed. God told me February 22nd, 1999 is the last day on your job. So I gave my notice February 22nd, 1999. I gave my job, last day on my job. And I uh, 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 had quit working there. I had to go back a week later and get my final check and my vacation pay. So I went back, and, and I went in, in there. The security knew me, so they let me in. And, and, and I'm walking down the hallway to get my check, and Daniel comes around the corner. And he came up to me, and he said, well, you were right. I said, about what? And he said, uh, two weeks after you left, the word came down, we're closing. Well, wasn't that great? I believe how much God loves me. When the Lord told me to step off my job, I stepped into pastoring the church of church full time for $310 a week. Four kids, all the payments you got, $310 a week. Making exactly three times less than what I was making. But the Lord told me, don't worry, you'll never miss a payment. You'll prosper. I'll bless you. I had to believe how much God loved me. See, faith is not a step into nothing. Faith is a reliance on God's love. Amen. Do you see that? And, and you know people started blessing us. People, people started, I had a guy in the church that was on the board, talked to the, the, the board of the church at the time. Uh, they gave me a raise. Uh, people started bringing me money. People started blessing our family. We prospered more than we ever had. Because we believe how much God loves us. He said, the God that loves you so much, said in a time of famine, you'll laugh. Amen. You'll laugh when everybody else is going without. Not you. Because God loves you too much. And ever what the world says. Because listen, they talked about a first wave. Then they're talking about a second wave. You know what? They're going to talk about a third wave and a fourth wave till they get their way. They're not getting their way with me. I'm never going to disbelieve the love of God. Amen. And, I, and I'll end with this. And I'll say this just the way I know to say it. If you believe what I'm saying, it'll work. If you don't, it won't. But here, here's the bottom line. I've got to keep this in my mindset. I cannot fail. Cannot. It's impossible. It cannot come on me. It cannot come on me. Never give anything that's under the curse respect and honor. This, this is the only time I'm going to mention this in this verbiage, but think about this for a, minute, for a moment. 
What is a cold? It's a virus. What is the flu? What is COVID? Now, now think about this for a moment. Why should you give COVID any more respect than you give the flu or the cold? And people say, well, there's no vaccine. There's no vaccine for the flu. They give you a shot, but it doesn't work on everybody. Yeah. They still haven't figured out a cure for the cold. They make you feel better. Now, I'm not telling you not to take precautions. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm telling you is why should I respect a strain? The only thing COVID is is a flu strain that they don't understand. And I'm, I know it's affected people's lives, but so is the flu. This year, there has more people died of the flu than COVID. But because they don't understand it, it breeds what? Fear. And where there is fear, there's torment. And where there's torment, there's a bankruptcy of faith. And where there's no faith, there's no protection. Because faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked. And I'm not preaching anti-mask, and that's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you that if you're going to, if whatever you do, you got to do it with the knowledge of how much God loves you because, sweetheart, your mask isn't going to save you. Your gloves, your shield, your PP, you can come in in a whole suit. Amen. You got to take that thing off sometime. The four walls of your home won't protect you. What will protect you? Believing the love that God has for me. I know how much God loves me, and I know how much God loves you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you this just straight up. Even if you go to the doctor and they say, this is the diagnosis, you got to believe something more. If you believe how much God loves you, this isn't going to affect me. Amen. I, I, I got a phone call from a brother the other day that his, his wife had been put in the hospital with COVID and he had tested positive. He said, Pastor, they were shocked. I said, what were they shocked about? He said, they were shocked that I wasn't feeling bad. We were feeling great. Everything was good. He said, I just talked to my wife. She said, the only problem she has, she hungry. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following me? I believe how much God loves me. You believe how much God loves you. When you go to bed tonight, be sure and say it out loud. I believe how much God loves me. Amen. I took his name and he took my pain. Amen. I took his blood and he took my disease. Hallelujah. I've already been inoculated and I've already been vaccinated. The spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing through my body and it is removing every antigen, every germ, every disease, every virus. The moment it touches your airspace, it dies instantly. The air in your home has been scrubbed by the blood of Jesus. You could perform open heart surgery in your living room. The air is so clean. Amen. Because God loves me. Hallelujah. I hope I helped you. Let's stand up tonight.
I don't want to keep you too late. You got an hour and 15 minutes of power tonight. Actually, just an hour of preaching. 15 minutes was on the offering. Hallelujah. God's good.